0: Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez and today I want to spend a little bit of time talking about a take that I've seen a lot around recently from a handful of media members and a lot of people in the fan base as well that the Kings have to trade De'Aaron Fox and and it's this strong wording that I can't do that they have to trade their best player. I don't have to is my issue. I can understand the logic. But I think there's also a damn good argument on why the Kings should not trade De'Aaron Fox. Um, mainly centered around the fact that he's uh really good at basketball and been surrounded by coaches that are not good at coaching basketball. And more players that are not good in basketball than players that are good at basketball. That's me oversimplifying. Obviously everybody that makes the league is good at basketball, but when it comes to the NBA level and the impact that his teammates have had um, recording this right after the Sacramento Kings loss to the Los Angeles Lakers, not really going to talk about that one all too much. Um, you know, it would have that very weird ending, And the jump ball call at the end that Alva Gentry was uh, funny enough to say was horse shit after the game. And, you know, it's not the ref's fault that that's the way that the rule is, but the rule needs to be changed and some sort of common sense should come into play at some point. I agree. I don't know how you write that in the rule book to make it defined and easy to enforce. Um, But a weird one, the Kings turned the ball over, I want to say, 18 times. And they hardly turned over the Lakers. But De'Aaron Fox had a great game, 30 points, six assists. He did have four turnovers, um, but then three rebounds there as well. Like I said, 30 points on 12 of 21 from the field, two of four from three, and four of four from the free throw line. And in the game prior against the Miami Heat, he had 24 points, six assists, six rebounds, two turnovers there as well, and two steals on five of 12 from the field, 0 of four from three, um, but then 14 of 15 from the free throw line, including two to really seal the game. He scored seven of the Kings' final nine points. He was getting switched on Jimmy Butler late in the fourth quarter and really holding his own. It was, we've seen two games of De'Aaron Fox taking over and looking like himself again since he's come back from being in health and safety protocol. He had a little bit of a slow start, um, but you know, for a guy that, so much of his game is surrounded by his athleticism. I, I think when you're talking a a COVID-related absence, or even though he was asymptomatic, as, as he told us, um, to have that extended absence and not get the chance to remain in peak game shape, I think it will make players take a little while to kind of return to form. And you know, it's notable in that. 10 games prior to going down in health and safety protocol, Darren Fox had been averaging 23.8 points, 3.9 assists, 4.3 rebounds on 50% from the field, 29.7% from three, and 77% from the free throw line. His free throw percentage is definitely taking, taken a, little bit of a jump this year he's currently sitting at seventy five percent and like I said he had that one game of fourteen of fifteen that was the most field goal uh free throws excuse me that he's ever made in a single game in his career. It also tied the most he attempted but it did set the record for the most that he made in a single game so you know there there were some things coming out prior to this breakout game that Fox had against Miami, but I even saw a take after the Miami game that every day that passes it is, I forget the exact wording, every day that passes where the Kings haven't traded De'Aaron Fox is a bad thing, pretty much. I don't, what? Like, the Kings issue, and what has been their issue, is they don't have enough talent on their entire roster. There are, how many players that should be in a rotation on a team that's looking to seriously compete for getting out of the second round in the playoffs. De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes. I don't know who else. Buddy Heald, if he's on the right team. Davion Mitchell, I think, fits as well. And then maybe you can throw a backup big that in there as well because Bigs are fairly replaceable. But De'Aaron Fox is the all-star caliber talent. He got a max extension. This is the first of his five-year maximum extension with the Sacramento Kings, and it was deserved. I think that if the Kings didn't give him that extension, somebody else would have. Like I said, he absolutely deserved it. And he's averaging 20.6 points, 5.2 assists this season on 44.9% from the field, 25.2% from three. He struggled there, but then also 75.6% from the free throw line. And I just want to spend this episode talking about how, like I said, the Kings need talent. And I understand a lot of the argument has to do with maximizing Tyrese Halliburton, but this entire thing I go into about Fox and his circumstances will circle back to Halliburton in what I think a logical way. But De'Aaron Fox came into the league as a 20-year-old on a, a team that, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to dive too much into his rookie year, to be honest. Um, he, he played with a lot of older veterans on that roster, obviously. He also had just came into the league alongside frank mason justin jackson um and bogdan bogdanovich so all of those guys were rookies the same time as him in 2718. 18 and you know the primary other players on that roster willie collie stein george hill zach randolph garrett temple buddy Heald was already in place are some decent names but uh obviously george hill didn't do great during his time in sacramento Zach Randolph was entertaining, but that team was not very successful with their 27 total wins. Uh, Vince Carter's a great veteran. Didn't work out great, obviously, right? So first year of De'Aaron Fox, a 20-year-old point guard that's going to take time to learn the league. You know, he's, at, he's relying on his athleticism, like I mentioned before. So it's going to be a slight adjustment period as he gets used to the physicality of the league, the change of pace. And just allows the game to slow down for him. So. That season does end with Fox going. Fox. The Sacramento Kings going 27 and 55 finishing 12th in the Western conference in Fox's rookie season. The teammates that Fox has had throughout his career um, are not good. Like I said, and this is kind of where you start to see some of the mistakes and the issues with the team not being good is that they they haven't tried. The front office, the two separate front offices, haven't made, if I were De'Aaron Fox's shoes, I don't think I could confidently look at the moves that have been made since being drafted to Sacramento and say, man, they've really tried. To surround me with better talent or to get more talent on this team, either for a few years down the line or talent that is actually going to help win games right now. A lot of times there's really lateral moves because somebody gets let go for nothing and a different guy gets brought in that feels the same sort of production, or there's, you know, maybe always this fifth starter that doesn't make sense there's been bad head coaches. So after that first year um, that we're going to kind of look over his rookie season that, you know, was a lot of veterans and a lot of guys ended up leaving in between the first year that he had in the league in the second year. And in the middle of that second season is when Marvin Bagley was selected second overall mistake there. Um, don't need to get into that further really. And then, in 2018-19 is the closest that the Sacramento Kings have come to the playoffs in an embarrassing amount of time. They ended the season 39-43, and ninth place in the Western Conference, with a 47.6% win rate. 39 wins, like I said. The last time that the Kings won at least 39 games was the 2005-2006 season. DeAaron Fox is the leader of this of this Dave Yeager coached team in 2018-19, DeAaron Fox's second year in the league that ends up winning 39 games and just barely not ending the postseason drought. Buddy Hield play phenomenally. This might be Buddy Hield's best season. Um he Average 20 points, 5 rebounds, 2.5 assists on 45% from the field. And most importantly, 42.7% from three on 7.9 three-point attempts a game. But then you have De'Aaron Fox right after that. Marvin Bagley did all right in his rookie season here. Harrison Barnes was traded for Justin Jackson and... Zach Randolph halfway through the season, which is probably the best trade that the Kings have made since they acquired um, De'Aaron Fox in the draft. Bogdan Bogdanovich was really solid on this roster as well. And then the other two are Willie Cauley-Stein and Imanja Bialica. This is the best results. This team gave the best results of any team that De'Aaron Fox has been a part of so far. So when I'm listing these guys and talking about, you know, Darren Fox hasn't played with that many good or above average starters, even average start, like he hasn't played with enough top 50 players because this roster that I'm naming is the most successful one of his career. Buddy Heald. Himself, Willie Cauley-Stein, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Nemanja Bialica, Marvin Bagley are kind of the mainstays of the rotation. Iman Shumpert as well, um, Harrison Barnes, freaking Harry Giles is a part of this. And the reason that this team worked was that Dave Yeager found an identity for this team that he wanted to go to. They were going to run their ass off. And this is just a result of good coaching. While Jaeger had all of his personality question marks and maybe off-court things going on, he optimized the roster that he was given. And he came from the grit-and-grind Grizzlies, came over to Sacramento, and decided we are going to play Fast as hell, because that is what this roster is good at. Identified that, stuck with it, and he was right. Like I said, Buddy Heald, maybe the best year of his career, averaging 20 points. The interesting thing um, that's going to be a theme throughout all this is that Darren Fox, as a part of not having enough talent talented teammates around him throughout his career is that he never had another good playmaker or like I don't it it feels like I'm trying to find a word between what good and great is but for example that season even if you go back to his rookie year De'Aaron Fox has led the Kings assists per game every single year of his career even his rookie season as a 20 year old playing 27 minutes a night that does not include the portion of this current season that we are going through because of Tyrese Halliburton who we will get into in a moment but in his second year De'Aaron Fox's that is the most successful season that he's had that 39 and 43 team team with Dave Yeager Fox averaged 7.3 assists tonight, While Bogdan Bogdanovich averaged 3.8. Buddy Healed averaged 2.5. Willie Colley-Stein averaged 2.4. Um, you know, Bogey was a decent playmaker. But Fox was asked to be the engine of an offense. And he was able to pull through in that regard. Um, the, the team struggled on defense. But I think that when you are going to have one guy... Be your engine of an offense that you need to find ideal ways to complement him. The lack of other assists from other players is because they lacked playmaking, they lacked other players that could reliably and consistently create for their teammates. There are only a handful of examples every year in the league of teams that do not have multiple players averaging at least four assists a game. And I I did lay them out here prior to this recording. I'm going to go through them and kind of notice the trends on there's going to be shitty teams in here that don't really care about winning. So that's why they're not worried about having people that can actually create for others. And then there's gonna be the teams that made it work with only one player averaging four or more assists per game. And typically, it's because they have elite players. And while I think the Aaron Fox is good, I think he's all star caliber, he's not elite. He's not the engine of an offense. Um if he I mean Maybe he could be. We don't exactly know, but I'm not expecting a Trey Young, a Luka Doncic, for example, um, James Harden, things like this. He He's not a one-man offense. Um, but if you wanted to treat him that way, there would be more ideal ways to see if that's possible. Um, just saying, I don't think that that is the case. But any time that these teams were able to make it work with Again, only one player averaging four or more assists. It was either due to having an elite player, having really high caliber coaching, or they had a damn good defense. And the reason that comes back to the assists is, again, you have less playmaking and creation for your own team on the offensive end. You put less pressure on that one lone playmaker on the offensive end, when you're actually able to get stops on the other side. And I am not with this whole De'Aaron Fox can't play defense, horrible defender. and one of the worst defenders in the league. We just saw him play fine against Jimmy Butler. Um, They said the same shit about Devin Booker. And it's not that I don't understand where the criticism is coming from. I've been frustrated with Fox defensively, but him being checked out on defense or not, like uber motivated on the defensive end to i I don't is is anybody that's been here for two full seasons actually fully motivated on the defensive end davion mitchell and tyrese halliburton sure absolutely um but rashawn holmes isn't motivated on the defensive end Harrison Barnes also joins Rashawn Holmes and maybe not motivated isn't the right way to say it, but looks a little checked out sometimes. And I believe that Fox can be a neutral, slightly negative defender and that the offensive production he's giving you needs to be what you focus on instead of like the slight negative he is on defense as are most of these high usage offensive players that contribute at a level that he does. So Fox does so many good things on the offensive end where it's like, you're going to nitpick his, it's not nitpicking, I should take that back because like I said, he has been a bad defender. I completely agree and understand. But maybe try to like actually put good, good defenders around him one year. Just an idea, and that's going to get me into my point here. I'm just going to go through this. Um, I keep countering some of the arguments I've heard, but I'll end up getting to those throughout this. In 1718, there were six teams that had only one player averaging four or more assists. The Atlanta Hawks, who went 24 and 58, they were the 15th seed in the Eastern Conference. They didn't give a shit. There's the Cleveland Cavaliers, who went 50 and 32. They are the fourth seed that season. Um, if you want to guess why, it's because they have LeBron James. So you have an engine, you have one guy that you just run your offense through every damn time. Then there is the Miami Heat, who that year went 44 and 38. And they are an interesting outlier of sorts here aside from the three that I mentioned of damn good coaching elite players or a high caliber defense Miami is like I said kind of the outlier here in this 18-19 well they do have a really solid defense I'm sorry in 17-18 Fox's rookie season Um, they do have a damn solid defense they don't have like a clear number one player you know this is the Goran Drogic, Deion Waiters, Hassan Whiteside Josh Richardson, uh, Dwayne Wade did play 21 games this year. Tyler Johnson, Kelly Olinick, Bam at Bio, first season as well. Obviously, came out of Kentucky the same year as Fox. Justin Swinslow was on this team. So there was a lot of depth, um, and they do fit the elite coaching category that Sacramento and De'Aaron Fox has never experienced. So while they only had one playmaker, Being Goran Drogic with 4.8 assists, even Drogic was not amazing in that aspect. Um, They played such smart basketball and solid defensively that that is where they were able to make up for that. Go 44 and 38, sixth in the Eastern Conference that year. OKC that season, uh, one of the other six teams that only had one person on the roster, average four or more assists. They went 48-34. and That was fourth in the Western Conference. Pretty simple. They had Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Um, Not really sure what else you want me to say. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, Stephen Adams, Jeremy Grant is actually on that team as well. They had... Superstars. I hesitated to use super, but they had multiple all star caliber players. De'Aaron Fox has never played with another all star caliber player. If you want to call Buddy Healds one season, um, De'Aaron Fox has never performed as well as Russell Westbrook or Paul George, but he's also never had a teammate that I feel comfortable saying has contributed to the same effect as he has until. Maybe Tyrese Halliburton. So after OKC, there's Portland 49 and 33. They finished with the third seed. They did end up with the sixth best defense that year. They also have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Yosef Nurkic, all three of whom were playing extremely well that season. And then they had their defensive wings. This is the team that's really interesting to me for Sacramento to model themselves after. Defensive wings being Mo Harkless and Alfa Um Harkless is obviously not the same player, but I think having lengthy defenders on the wing, even if your center is offensive focused, like Nurkic is, that you can make that work. Um, I think the Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum is not a horrible pairing to look at when you're thinking about Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox working together on like for all the skeptics of they can't play together defensively. I mean, I think that we've seen Portland can, um, I shouldn't say that we've seen because that's been their issue all these years, but they've done a horrible job of getting surrounding talent. So, That's where they were at, finished third in the West that season. Sacramento was the other team to only have one player with four more assists per game, and they finished 27 and 55 with a 12th seed. Then you go into Fox's sophomore season. This is when, like I mentioned, um, that Jaeger year of all the pace, Buddy, Bogey, Belly, Bagley, Collie Stein, um, who am I missing here? Barnes was traded for that season. Of course, Iman Shumpert, and uh, yeah, Justin Jackson played for a little while. Yogi Ferrell, Harry Giles was a big deal this season. And still De'Aaron Fox remained the only player that was capable of creating plays for other people reliably and creating advantages. Like I said, he averaged 7.3 assists per night. Next up was Bogey with 3.8, Buddy with 2.5, and then Willie Colley's time with 2.4. There were nine teams that season that only had one player averaging four or more assists per game. Which is the largest number of since Fox has come into the league. Um, Atlanta, 29 and 53, they were the twelfth seed. It was Trey's first year. They did not care. Charlotte, 39 and 43. They were the ninth seed with Kemba Walker as their main guy. Um, I'm not really gonna celebrate the ninth seed. That is, yeah. Kemba played all right, um, but they did obviously did not surround him with the right talent. Ninth seed is not enough. There's the LA Clippers, 48-34 and this season in 18-19. They finished 8th in the Western Conference. This was the team that barely beat out the Sacramento Kings for that final spot in the playoffs. They had a very deep team. Doc Rivers, um, I don't know how I feel about if he's a great coach, um, but I think he's highly regarded. And it's one of those where there's no clear star on that Clippers team, but they were really deep. Um, I mean, Tobias Harris played... At an all star level in that season. And that's what ended up. uh, That's, you know, probably the season that I think was encouraging to the Philadelphia 76ers that led to him eventually acquiring him. He averaged 20 points a game. Lou Williams averaged 20 points a game. Gallinari averaged just under 20. Montrez Harrell averaged 16. You had Landry Shamit. You had Shea Gilgis Alexander. Avika Zubak in his first, um not his first, but in an early stage of his career. There's also Jamaica Green, Garrett Temple, Luke Mbaamute. Um maybe it's a stretch to point out in but Patrick Beverly. Um, it is a very deep team that really meshed well together was well coached, and they were only at the eighth seed. But, you know, lack of playmaking, they made it work by having a whole lot of guys that were really good at scoring then you have the memphis grizzlies who were 33 and 49 that season they finished 12th uh, mike conley is their main guy yeah, nothing to celebrate with 12th the orlando magic 42 and 40 they were the seventh seed that season with vucevic as their lone player averaging upward of four assists per game which is uh Certainly interesting that uh their big was the one to do that. And actually I'm sorry, it was not Vucevic that season. It was as I pull it up here. Their lone player averaging upwards of four was DJ Augustine. Um Yeah. Um and again, going through all this to show the point that having one playmaker is a difficult situation for a team in a roster to be in the ways you get away with it are by having that one guy be absolutely elite you go to him every goddamn possession or you have an extremely well coached team that's going to optimize all the other surrounding talent as well and the other big factor is how good your defense is um because the more stops you get, the less pressure it is on that lone self creator or a creator for others to make that happen every single possession and and keep up with the other side. All three things, Kings have been really bad at: top end talent, capable coaching, and and defense. They've been yeah horrible. So Orlando made it work with DJ Augustine as their lone guy, averaging upwards of four. Vucevic as the main piece because they were eighth on defense. Eighth in defensive rating. They had a lot of lengthy players. Um, They really prided themselves on the defensive end. So there wasn't all too much offensive requirement for them to be the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference that year. Then there's Phoenix um, as one of the other nine teams here. They went 19 and 63, dead last in the Western Conference. Portland, again, is a team that is intriguing here in an outlier-ish way. They went 53 and 29 with Damian Lillard being the only player averaging four more assists per game. That was good for third in the Western Conference. Dame, CJ, and Nurk are all all all-star caliber players. Right on the cusp. And Dame Lillard is... Fox is probably not Damian Lillard caliber, right? Like, the the point that I'm going to eventually the point that this wraps her back around to is that we don't know what Fox looks like around good players or in good circumstances. He's put up these ridiculous numbers despite his circumstances. So could he reach a Dame tier? I doubt it. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. And it's not borderline is, but He's never played with a player of the caliber of CJ until he's seen Tyrese Halliburton recently. But we got to see that keep up. He's never played with a player of the caliber of Josef Nurkic, and yeah, the the depth on that team. Like I said, the the wing depth, um, the coaching of Terry Stotts, who by the way, probably available this offseason. Yeah, that that is how the. Tribblers were able to get away with their lone playmaker. Sacramento was the other team, 39 and 43. They finished ninth again, Um, as I mentioned, that first Jaeger year. Fox being the primary guy, and it worked so well because they played such a high-paced transition offense. It really simplified the game for everybody else, and it makes it really easy to make plays. So everyone else is just getting a couple assists here and there within the flow of the offense in transition or doing a lot of catching based on how Fox is setting them up. And uh, that is what worked. There was an identity. There was good coaching. And the defense wasn't atrocious. 17th in the league that year. Then you have San Antonio Spurs, 48 and 34. They finished seventh. They had DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, The Kings have, since drafting Fox, not had two players of that caliber. Um, they also were sixth in defense, and oh yeah, have what's probably the best coach in the league, or or has a damn good argument of the best coach of all time, even um, Greg Popovich, obviously. So then you go into the nineteen twenty season, and and circumstances just keep being horrible for the Fox. After that year, where things are looking really promising. He is 21 years old, and just one, a couple games away from having taken the Sacramento Kings to the playoffs in over a decade. Um, feeling pretty good about the the coach that is surrounding him. I'm, I'm. Well, I, I shouldn't. I don't mean to speak for Fox there, but you know, Dave Yeager did just optimize that group. So then you go into the offseason. And, you know, it's decided that there's enough off-court complications Dave Yeager needs to be moved on from. There's the whole Brandon Williams thing and, and all that. Um, and also, Willie Cully Stein is moved on from. Um, Marvin Bagley is moved on from. Or, I'm sorry, Marvin Bagley ends up hurt for most of next season, pretty much all of his sophomore season. Bagley sophomore season, that is. Um, and so while Willie Cully Stein, who was part of the one lineup that Sacramento had the season prior with 500 minutes in a plus 1.3 net rating of Fox, Buddy, Shumpert, Belly, and Willie Cully Stein, that center that was so crucial to, I, I know we all had our, tough times watching Willie. I absolutely was there. He was frustrating beyond the belief, but he fit the high paced offense that Jaeger had in place extremely well Um, him and as did uh, Marvin Bagley. So both of those guys becoming unavailable for all of next season, Dave Jaeger being moved on from, and then Luke Walton is brought in decides we're going to slow the team down a little bit because they have to be learn to be, competent in the half court changes the identity that the Kings had discovered and was working to an extent it was showing growth and they still had young talent. Um, then the decision when Vlade Divac has a significant amount of money to potentially spend in that offseason, season, just uh, not used the most ideally. Um. yeah Harrison Barnes was traded for the, the previous offseason so 60 million is what Vlade is working with he could have tried for Al Horford Tobias Harris Nikola Vucevic Julius Randall even Bojan Bogdanovic all of those guys were restricted free agents instead the Kings gave uh, Harrison Barnes four years 85 million which is fine you know I, I still think that's viewed as a good contract Happy with that. Deadman, three years, $40 million. Trevor Ariza, two years, $25 million. And Corey Joseph, three years, $37 million after Patrick Beverly refused to take pretty much that same contract and instead took lesser money, maybe similar. I believe it was lesser to play with the Clippers. So $60 million in cap space ends up with a role play players and not even starting caliber role players um Ariza was gone quick as with deadman by the deadline Corey Joseph stuck around for a while but he was it was debatable if he was even a playable positive backup point guard so this is where it's like I will say I didn't hate this offseason that offseason I thought that Dividing up the money, getting a backup point guard, a wing, and a center was the smart move. I really liked Dwayne Dedman. I was definitely aboard that train. So I don't I I understand the logic here. Um, but there becomes a, a trend. Um so yeah, they they don't get notable talent um, they strike out on signings that I think are somewhat understandable and then they go into this next season with seven players that played at least a thousand minutes again this is the first year of Luke Walton they the Kings had just won the most games that they had won since 2008 the coaches traded the starting center is moved on from the power forward that you just drafted in the year prior who is viewed as a project is goes down very early in the season and it's decided that pace is just not the way that the team wants to go anymore. So now, like I said, seven players, Rashawn Holmes was also a two year, $10 million signing during that off which obviously worked out phenomenally. Um, but I, I think it is frustrating to look at since Fox has been here. They have not swung for adding significant talent. Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Nemanja Bialica, Bodong Bogdanovich, Corey Joseph, De'Aaron Fox, and Rashawn Holmes are the seven players that play 1,000 minutes that season. They were okay on offense. Um, Buddy Heald averaged 19 and 4.6 rebounds, 3.0 assists on 42 from the field, 39 from 3 and 84 from the free throw line. Uh, Bogey was was pretty solid in this season as well. He eventually was moved into the starting lineup in a uh, fairly dramatic fashion. If if you'll remember, there was a lot of Buddy Heald being unhappy about that move, even though it is what ended up working best for the team. But still, the Kings did not add... Another player that was the same caliber of De'Aaron Fox, um, Buddy Hield was thought to potentially be this guy. At least that's that's what it seems, and and that's where I'm at in hindsight. I could be remembering slightly wrong, but you know, Buddy Hield averaged, like I said, 19 per game and 39.4 uh, percent from the field. But if you're gonna look at De'Aaron Fox and tell me that he's the problem on defense when he spent every season of his career alongside buddy Heald playing heavy minutes, who I guess it's contradictory of me to say that buddy healed is just really one of the worst defenders in the league. But like Fox was never attempted to be surrounded with good defensive talent. Um, I guess you want to say dead men or reason Kojo that, that didn't work out well. Um, so yeah um like i said bogey played well i I thought that there was a decent momentum for this sacramento kings team they were fairly inconsistent because defensively they did uh they did struggle but they weren't horrible they they were just a little below average kind of in every aspect you know 18th and offensive rating 20th and defensive um inconsistent and there was a lot of figuring out like what the hell is going to be our most ideal lineup. What are we good at if it's not pace anymore? Because we decided to go away from that. And like I said, in the year prior, that was the 39 one season with Jaeger before he was let go. The most played lineup that Fox was a part of it played 500 minutes. And then in this first year with, Luke Walton on the job. The most played lineup gets 179 minutes total compared to 500 in the year prior, which is a damn big difference. And while some of it has to do with the injuries that I mentioned um, injury, really just being Marvin Bagley, unless I'm forgetting something here. I I, Darren Fox was uh, down for a little while in this season as well. While some of it has to do with injuries, a lot of it has to do with, they just listen to the lineup Fox buddy, Harrison Barnes, Bielitsa, and Rashawn Holmes. Bielitsa's solid, right? But you think that a lineup with Buddy Heald and Nemanja Bielitza is ever going to be competent on the defensive end? You're crazy. Um, and you can't only have one playmaker on the offensive end if you're going to be really poor defensively because then you better outscore all your opponents. And uh, Fox is not the engine by himself. As I've said before, so in that season, Fox averaged 6.8 assists per game. Corey Joseph, 3.5, is second. <laughs> um, Corey Joseph, wow. Bogdan Bogdanovich is third with 3.4. Buddy Heald is next with 3.0. Um, Nemanja Elite and Harrison Barnes are not all too far behind him. But again, it's not good coaching. The team doesn't know what they're good at because they're not good at anything. De'Aaron Fox is asked to be the lone high-caliber playmaker for his teammates and make up for a poor defense as the only guy. Not going to happen. It's not an indictment on Fox that he's not one of the five players that can be an engine on on an NBA offense of that caliber. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends nine nineteen. No refunds. Subscription auto-renews. Twentieth Century Studios presents Vacation Friends Two. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 That's five, now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Woo! Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry. Drug lord nice. With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total oh. chaos. Vacation Friends 2 rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. 1920, that year I'm talking about here, there are only four teams with less than with only one player that averaged four or more assists, and you're gonna see this trend keep up. The only way it works to only have one above-average playmaker is if you have Dallas, the 43 and 32 Dallas Mavericks, who went seventh that year. They have Luka Doncic, who is just an one of those five, elite, elite. Give him the ball every damn time. They also have Rick Carlisle, one of the best coaches in the NBA, that is making a Luka Doncic ran offense first in offensive rating, and at that point was the best offensive rating of all time. Not to mention Chris at Porzingis, no matter how you feel about his talent level is, would be the best teammate that De'Aaron Fox has ever had until the recent stretch of Tyrese Halliburton. So that's how you can make having one playmaker work. There's the New York Knicks um, (laughs) as one of the other four teams with only one player, four or more assists that year, 21 and 45. They were 12th in the Eastern conference. They didn't give a shit. Um, Sacramento Kings, were 12th in the Western Conference, 31 and 41. Uh, struggled for the reasons that I mentioned. Fox cannot be the lone guy to make up for a shitty defense and subpar talent levels around him. The Golden State Warriors finished 15th in the West that season um, with 15 and 50 record. And Steph Curry was the lone playmaker. So if... You want to sit and say, oh, you know, Fox just isn't good enough to take this team to X amount of wins in the playoffs. Um, I'm sorry, Steph Curry was actually the year prior to that. So Draymond was the playmaker um, in that season that I'm speaking of in 1920. But there are instances of, if you want to look at 2020-2021, of Steph Curry is obviously phenomenal. 32 points per game in that season. And yet he, Steph Curry averaging the most points per game in the entire league was not enough for subpar surrounding talent. And that includes Draymond Green on his team, by the way. Um, better teammate better player than any teammate Aaron Fox has had you need good surrounding pieces you also need high caliber talents in the first place those are the more difficult to acquire so you probably prioritize those first and and work through the surrounding pieces in the meanwhile but the Kings consistently have only four players that are actual, actually starting caliber. And again, it was another year in 1920 where Fox was asked to do everything on offense, um, set up every single one of his teammates because nobody else was really able to do it at a high level. And the players that he was surrounded by were solid. But when you're talking about your most played lineup, in that season, being like I said, Fox, Buddy, Harrison Barnes, Bielitza, and Rashawn Holmes for 179 minutes. And then after that, you're going to Fox, Bogey, Harrison Barnes, Bielitza, and Harry Giles for 142 minutes. The, the depth on that team fell off a damn cliff. And sadly, you see the same thing in the next year. And it's not like it fell off a cliff because the top end talent was there. It was not. It's still probably is not so then if you want to go to the 2020 season um you know the kings had an opportunity to add they added Tyrese Halliburton in the draft between 1920 and 2020-21 they added Tyrese Halliburton in the draft which has just he's been a savior for this organization actually not quite yet um he's been a savior for the viewership of this organization i guess but it hasn't obviously resulted in all too many wins from this point the issue is tyrese came in but bogdanovich was in that second most played lineup he walks for nothing also Vlady divak Is no longer the general manager. And instead, Monty McNair comes in to take his place. It's another offseason where De'Aaron Fox is losing one of the primary players that had been surrounding him for a couple years now, actually, at this point. Losing one of his primary teammates and also having a major shakeup when it comes to different parts of the organization the year prior was coaching and in the that offseason it was management so gonna be some decent changes there so while Tyrese coming in is a big deal losing Bogdanovich simultaneously kind of evens it out it's another situation where it's like great you know um, I think that Rashawn Holmes is really shown himself and really come into his own but at the same time the kings were deciding that they were no longer going to stick with the high-paced offense to optimize what to use what they had optimized willie Cully stein with for homes and oh yeah we're just also going to change up our entire coaching staff so Getting Holmes is great, but we're also going to deal with this entire adjustment. Like, There's always an if to the starter-level talent, even, that the Kings add. They don't add talent above starter-level, really. And there's always an if to the times and moments that they did add starter-level talent around De'Aaron Fox that complicate his circumstances. Again, this is all to prove that De'Aaron Fox has done what he's done on this team and been a borderline all-star despite the horrible circumstances that he's been in the Sacramento Kings organization. He has lacked good coaching, good surrounding talent, either when it comes to depth or top-end talent. He's just had a few mediocre players around him. Uh, mediocre sounds pretty negative, but you know I don't mind. Um, Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes, and might feel a little differently about Buddy Heald sometimes, but after that, you know, even in, you move to 2020, 2021, Um, I'll go through these ones a little bit quicker. Like I said, the entire change for this offseason was Vlade out, McNair in, and uh, the same swap with Bogdanovich headed out the door. On a what I believe is four-year, forty-seven million dollar deal that I still view as absolutely ludicrous, the Kings were not willing to match that. We've seen uh, reportings from I believe it was the Athletic and other sources that Bogdanovich could still fetch a first rounder at the time of this recording on that contract. Um, I thought it was ridiculous to not keep Bogey. If you're trying to win now, I don't understand what the plan is here. Um, Tyrese comes in, but like I said, that about evens it out, and then um the offseason signings kings didn't have much money um much at all really they signed glenn robinson and hassan Whiteside. um what the shit um kind of happy with glenn robinson i guess but that's what that offseason looks like um i i don't exactly know how they're supposed to go into that <laughs> next season feeling super optimistic like There was some growth and it's like, oh, well, now we have another season of our coach um, that we swapped because of off court things and is actually a worse coach than the one we had before. But hey, now we have a year under our belt with him. So, you know, I think we'll have an opportunity to really kind of like deploy his system and buddy Harrison and Rashawn and Marvin, it all played together for a little while. Um, actually Marvin hadn't played much in the year prior, I guess. So it was like, okay, I guess this is where we can find some optimism because apparently they really believe in that group. Um, Tyrese Halliburton fell in the draft. Like that was great. The Kings had the worst events in the league that's that year. Um, coaching was a factor. The lack of depth was a factor. The talent overall is a factor. But De'Aaron Fox is a factor. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is a factor. Hassan Whiteside sure as hell is a factor. But the Kings were winning, going through these couple stretches of where they were winning games. And then this is also the season, um, talking about last year at this point, where they had two nine-game losing streaks. And... When you're horrible defensively, you're going to be inconsistent because it's just about is the other team making your missing shots that night. Defense is where you find consistency in the NBA. And that's why the Kings haven't been able to be consistent because they have not assembled a roster that really is capable of being competent defensively. And I think we've seen that at this point. De'Aaron Fox does a stupid amount on offense. He's still... He's by far and away the best player on this team in the 2020 21 season. 25.2 points, 7.2 assists, 3.5 rebounds, 1.5 steals on 47% from the field, 32% from three, and 71% from the free throw line. So, amid all this shit, Fox had a drastic change between his rookie year and his sophomore year, getting so much more responsibility and all the veterans being moved on from. And then from his second year to his third year, um, year two, they're playing really well. There's a lot of positive momentum. They have an identity, it seems. Um, Then in between year two and three, momentum gets derailed because Jaeger is out. Uh, Willie Colley-Stein is no longer being brought back, which is an understandable decision. but it's really moving on from Jaeger and, and the positive momentum identity is gone with it because Luke Walton does not implement the same extreme high paced offense. And also incoming or deadman or Corey Joseph, um, a lot of big changes between year two and three for Fox. And then you go from year three to four. Um, where. Your general manager is no longer around. Now there's a new one in Monty McNair. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is probably the second best, third best player on the team. Not there anymore. Instead, you're going to get a rookie who has a little bit of a different play style. Give you similar production, uh, but it's a rookie, so it's an entire new thing for Fox to learn. And, oh, by the way, you're still going to be the only player on the team um, who... Outside of Halliburton, actually, Halliburton can ease the responsibility a bit, but Fox still has to be the guy on offense here. Um, Halliburton was viewed as a connecting piece, not somebody that you would want initiating the offense all too often until he had recently proved that wrong in a major way. Um, But just so much change for Fox going into last season, and um, he cannot be expected to shoulder an offense that is good enough to counter the worst defense in the league. And while he is part of the, he deserves part of the blame for what was the worst defense in the league. He's not the one that you change. You don't change your best player. You change the other surrounding guys. What were those teams I was going through before? Luka Doncic, not a good defender. They make it work with good surrounding players. Um, and solid coaching Trey Young team has a lot of depth wing defenders around him Clint Capella one of the best defending bigs in the league you could talk about John ja Morant John ja Morant I, I don't think that any of those three guys I just mentioned are better I could comfortably rank Fox among them but They have competent coaching and players that are able to make up for their, not make up, but if you're going to ask that sort of offensive responsibility from a player, then you better have surrounding talent that can make life easier for him on the other end and certainly not make it harder for him on offense, but he's never had that. So then you go into that season, like I said, Fox fucking averages twenty five and seven, Well as a twenty three year old, this is last season, by the way, and I don't like people just forgot about this somehow, and I don't, I don't understand how, how we got to that point. Like I said, as a twenty three year old, averaging twenty five and seven, um, there were only, there were very few players in NBA history to have ever done that. And those players, there's seven. De'Aaron Fox is one of seven. Trey Young did it three times. averaged 25 and seven when he was 23 years old or younger. Derek Rose did it one time. Oscar Robinson did it twice. LeBron James has accomplished 25 and seven at 23 or younger on two occasions. Same goes with Luka Doncic. Tiny Archibald has a lone season at 23 years old of at least 25 and seven. And then you have De'Aaron Fox. He deserves to rub shoulders with that level of competition and players alongside him. He played such ridiculously good basketball that season. And it really is a shame that he wasn't honored uh, wasn't given all-star honors. He was right on the fringe. But stupidly good basketball, It's all, that is everything that you could ever ask of De'Aaron Fox, but the surrounding talent was not good enough. And they need another player that can help create for Fox and ease the pressure on De'Aaron Fox on the offensive end. He's asked to do everything. Fox is not... A Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, LeBron James. If you want him to do everything on offense, a la John Morant, surround him with players that are going to hit these open shots when he kicks it to them at a decent clip and also play defense on the other end. You need high-caliber role players if you're looking to have De'Aaron Fox be your engine. Or you need more top-end talent alongside him. And obviously, ideally need some capable, competent coaching in the meanwhile as well. But the Kings check none of those boxes. Despite De'Aaron Fox having just a ridiculously phenomenal season. And... Part of the success that they were able to find there was, um, you know, having a consistent lineup that uh, they've weirdly gone away from this season with Fox, Buddy, Barnes, Bagley, and Holmes playing four hundred and twenty-five minutes, and then also the lineup of Fox, Halliburton, Buddy, Barnes, and Holmes played four hundred and four minutes. I remember the latter throughout last season being talked about a lot as a very successful lineup for the Kings. And then, you know, um, there was an off season of. And also that entire season had the COVID bubble um, just as if the seasons prior were not complicated and just constantly changing enough for Fox. Um, That year was even outside of the things within the organization's control. um, So ridiculous. But even when the... Amid the season, the Kings did end up trading for Terrence Davis. They traded for Maurice Harkless. Um, They traded for Alex Len as well um, in the year prior, actually, to that one. And then Fox comes into this season with, again, a... He didn't come into the season with a weird circumstance, but he met a weird circumstance really quickly. First of all, the defensive issues were not solved. I don't see where there was an effort to solve the defensive issues. It's CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard have shown that if you are good enough on the offensive end as a guard pairing, wing defenders and capable average slash above average center as well is going to make up for that as long as your offensive production is enough obviously to make up for any defensive shortcomings which Darren Fox absolutely falls into that category think of the Houston Rockets Um, I'm not saying Fox is James Harden or um, Halliburton is Chris Paul but Neither of those guys, I'll take it back actually, obviously Chris Paul is a very solid defender, um, but surrounding them with wing defenders and a very capable center on the defensive end. Um, the defense is not on Fox. He's a part of it, but it's not like, oh my God, Fox is the problem. That doesn't, we haven't tried The Kings have not tried to surround De'Aaron Fox with another high-level talent. They lucked into Tyrese Halliburton at pick 12, and apparently Tyrese Halliburton is way better of a player than any of us expected him to be. And they are so lucky that that is happening. But Tyrese Halliburton is the first player to be on Sacramento's roster with De'Aaron Fox and average more than four assists per game. More than four, more than four per game since De'Aaron Fox came into the league as a 20-year-old. Last season, Halliburton averaged 5.3 assists per game. Um, De'Aaron Fox played solid, like I said, um, not solid, insane, 25-7 and as a 23-year-old. And then you come into this season and, uh, like I said, met with change very quickly because there was no issues done to solve the defense of problems that we saw from Sacramento at the end of last season. um, It was just not what you... There's no real progress. There's no reason to go into the year thinking, oh my God, this team is going to be a lot better. Um, You were banking on Davion Mitchell changing the culture, um, who is a rookie point guard. Um, Obviously, if you're still looking to draft best player available, that's because you think you don't have enough talent. So figure out how to get more talent on the team. They Since Fox came, he's now dealt with three head coaches because obviously Luke Wallen was let go of early in this season. Another big-ass change for De'Aaron Fox, he goes through a coach change from, from his rookie year to his second season. He goes from all the vets to being the guy. Year two to year three, year two they made so much progress, 39 wins. Dave Yeager is let go. Now, Luke Walton's going to come in and, oh yeah, that whole like identity thing that we had just figured out. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to take this in a new direction. And then you go from year three to year four. Uh, We're going to move on from the general manager and Bogdan Bogdanovich, who may have been the second or third best player on that roster. Yeah, he's out of here. There's only so many talented players. Sure, Tyrese Alliburton comes in and and fills one of those spots. That's a lateral move at the moment. So, another big change for De'Aaron Fox. A lot of surrounding talent that's been changed as well. You know, there's been a lot of drama with Buddy Heald. Um, You've seen Mo Harkless things recently. There's been a lot of drama with Marvin Bagley. Despite all this, Fox led the Kings to their best win percentage since the 07 08 season. And he's now dealing with his first teammate that has averaged more than four assists per game. And everyone is quick to say that he can't play with Tyrese Halburn, that he needs the ball in his hands. Yes, they played together throughout last season. They played a significant amount of games together, they being Fox and Halliburton last season. It's not enough for anyone to know. Fox had played so many games prior. He had played three entire seasons prior to that as the far and away best playmaker, passer, creator for his teammates. He was asked to do that every single night. Every single night. He was doubling his he he was getting more than double the amount of assists than the person in second on Sacramento's roster multiple seasons and then Tyree Saliburton comes in who is just this phenomenal passer there's going to be an adjustment period and sure people are not going to be happy that the adjustment period is really taking a minute um and it's not that they're not working together that's not what is happening It's that they are figuring out how to optimize one another. Fox just wants, Fox has said that he wants everyone to be the best version of themselves. Um, I think Fox helps Halliburton be that. And I think Halliburton helps Fox be that. Fox, like I said, is not a player that should be asked to be the entire engine of an offense. There are nights that he can do it. You've seen him be able to take over. But if he is able to hand off those responsibilities a little bit, he then you have multiple playmakers there, and you can focus on the rest of the surrounding talent being a little bit more defensive focused. Um, point is, De'Aaron Fox has become a ridiculously good basketball player in the NBA. In absolute shit circumstances that are constantly changing. And the first time that he gets another player who could equal to his caliber of talent and production in the league, the people want to split him up. I don't, the Kings don't have enough talent. Period. Top end talent is where that starts depth. Yes, sure. But it starts at the top. There are teams that have subpar depth, but you, the depth pieces are going to come. You're going to be able to fill those out. You also need top end talent and you don't like, do you want to the whole argument of Tyrese Halliburton would, function better without De'Aaron Fox. He would progress into a better player. Do you want Tyrese Halliburton to be in this whole situation that De'Aaron Fox is that I just laid out, was that I just laid out, the only player on his team that's capable of creating for others? Why, Why would you want somebody to do that? Unless... You have a ridiculous belief in Tyree Halliburton and think the team is going to end up with a decent coach in this offseason, which, you know, if I, I want to be optimistic for the sake of my own sanity, I, I guess I can get there too. Um, but I understand the logic behind creating De'Aaron Fox when you're talking about other players that could be of similar talent level that are also just happen to be on the block that season, maybe in need of a change up with that roster or that player specifically is in need of a change up their Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons and um, Tomate Sabonis are the ones that come to mind. Somewhat, Comparable talent levels to De'Aaron Fox. That I understand. But those aren't the type of players that you have in mind when you're saying the Kings have to trade De'Aaron Fox. I would say the Kings have to give De'Aaron Fox a chance to play alongside good players. Put him in a situation where he's surrounded by good players and a good coach before we decide De'Aaron Fox can't do this, De'Aaron Fox can't do that. And if you move on from Fox for the sake of making Halliburton the guy, you better believe that Halliburton is capable of being the lone initiator, playmaker, creator for his teammates. Yes, he went crazy in those games. Fox was out. They also lost all of them, but one. A lot of other players were missing a health and safety protocol too. But Halliburton was absolutely gassed at the end of every single game. Um, Like absolutely gassed from from that level. I'm like, man, I don't know if that would be sustainable. Um, That is just me speculating, but yeah, that's kind of where I felt like I was at with that. I mean, asking any player to be the lone player initiator and playmaker on a team is just a huge ask. Like I said, the teams that it's worked for, you're talking calibers of Trey Young, Luka Doncic, um, John Morant did fit into that, um, but also take into consideration the surrounding talent. Um, Ben Simmons is in that talent as well, but also Joel Embiid, and then you have Tobias Harris and um, decent coaching there as well. Even if the Kings don't need multiple playmakers, they need multiple players that have the talent level of De'Aaron Fox. And more likely than not, if you say you need to trade De'Aaron Fox, you need to, you have to. You are trading a player that is 23 years old and just in the first of his five-year contract max contract extension seems like horrible timing he's just getting the best teammate of his career alongside him there's a chance that he ends up with a good coach at some point in his career um it's more change but the coach changes and the constant roster changes around him are the real issue not De'Aaron fox De'Aaron fox has been and De'Aaron fox was one of Seven players in NBA history to average 25 and seven at 23 years old or younger, despite the city shitty, constantly changing circumstances that Sacramento has placed him in. We don't know what he's fully capable of. So, for everyone saying we don't know what Halliburton is capable of, we won't unless Fox isn't there, I disagree. I think that you need multiple playmakers on a team. It's very rare that you have one guy that does it by himself every single time. Luka Doncic, they're talking about wanting another playmaker alongside him. We've heard the same thing for Trey Young sporadically. Um, it, It doesn't... You need more than one. And that's what both of these guys are. And until... If you need to make a move, which the Kings do, you need to change the shit around Fox. You got him Halliburton. You got him a high caliber player. You got him the best teammate of his career. Maybe lucked into it, but that's what he got, right? Figure out how to compliment De'Aaron Fox. They haven't done that put great shooting around him. um Jaeger did it for a little while. They haven't if you want him to be the engine of an offense like we've seen, they haven't given him a defense that's capable enough to regularly hold opposing teams to reasonable numbers that Fox can actually lead a charge to match or or top that number on a consistent basis. The coaching has been just horrible. Um, make a move where you're really trying to add to the talent on this roster, to the De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton talent, because they haven't done that. I would be dissing, I'd be agitated if I was De'Aaron Fox. I there's nothing that Fox I would think can comfortably point at and be like, man, you know, this didn't work great, but they really tried to add a fucking really like borderline all-star guy to this team. Deadman was never gonna be that guy, Kojo was never gonna be that guy, Ariza was never gonna be that guy. As much as I liked those players at the time and and didn't have an issue with those signings. Those players aren't that. Um, Harrison Barnes is probably the best talent they've added. And what did they do with it? It's been great to have him. He's played a position of need and, and filled a very needed hole at the wing position in Sacramento. But he's got this year and one more left on his deal. And keeping him around after that, his value is just going to continue to, I shouldn't say so definitively, more than likely going to continue to decrease. Um, Buddy Healds, trade the other players, add talent to the roster. Do not, don't take away from the damn good talented players for a better fit. Get high-level talent on this roster. And yes, like I said, the depth, the defense, coaching, um, surrounding players are important. But who are you surrounding? Because it should not be Buddy healed. Tyrese Halliburton is aided by the presence of De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox, for example, guarded by Lou Dort the entire game. Guarded by Avery Bradley the entire game. Um, I know one of those is not quite like the other, but the opposing team's best defender. Eases the pressure on Tyrese Halliburton. De'Aaron Fox is just now playing with the first player that's ever averaged more than four assists per game Of course, he's going to take time to learn off-ball capabilities, but man, there's a damn good cutter in De'Aaron Fox if there's a passer that can hit him on those. He also hit 40% on his catch-and-true 3s last year. Um, and the whole defense effort issue when it comes to a guy that's on a bad team and asked to carry so much of the weight on the offensive end dealt with a lot of coaching changes Shitty organizations. Does it not sound like Devin Booker, Zach Levine? Like, what did those teams do? They took a swing. The Bulls signed deals this offseason that many people were like, what the hell? DeMar DeRozan, that much money? Um, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso. Uh, Vucevic, you're gonna you're gonna trade all those draft picks for Vucevic. Are you sure how how is the defense gonna work? Um, or for Phoenix, Chris Paul like, um, Chris Paul isn't little as is a little bit of an outlier scenario. Um, but they gave up not Devin Booker or Mikhail Bridges or DeAndre Ayton. They gave up. Kelly Oubre, and some picks to get Chris Ball. The Bulls wisely used their cap space, and these players that weren't leaders or weren't engaged often enough or weren't good enough to lead a terribly managed organization... To the playoffs by themselves, like basketball isn't a team game unless you're a goddamn superstar, is so tiring. And De'Aaron Fox should not be thrown into that. De'Aaron Fox is getting the first player, teammate. They might be able to rub shoulders with how good he is. And I think that Fox deserves to be able to have the opportunity to play alongside another good player or else how are we going to know what Fox is capable of? And you need to say the same thing for Tyrese Halliburton. If Tyrese Halliburton can't become the best version of himself alongside another all-star, what are we doing here? Halliburton's going to have to play alongside another player that can playmake and create for others. Why can't it be De'Aaron Fox? We don't know that it can't be. I cannot get behind the Kings have to trade De'Aaron Fox. The Kings have to get talent. Kings have to get more talent. They could also use a coach that isn't horrible. This is the first time Fox has played with a player that's averaged more than four assists per game. This is the third coach that Fox has seen. In his five seasons in the NBA, he's about to be on number four. Tyrese Halliburton's already about to be on his third coach, if you include Alvin Gentry being interim. It's a tough situation, but we don't know that these players can't all work together. If you need a leader, go get one. You don't have to get rid of anybody to get one like that's not how if you think that Tyrese Halliburton is the leader and not Fox he needs to be the leader of this team then he should be the leader it doesn't have to do with Fox he can do that with Fox there people thought Davion Mitchell was going to change the culture he can do that with Fox there Chris Ball changed the culture with Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre, and all there with the help of Monty Williams. You saw DeMar DeRozan, along with the other acquisitions that I mentioned, changed the culture in Chicago. It happens. It doesn't... Trading Fox is not the answer. Again, if you're trading... The roster is imbalanced, yes, but most imbalanced rosters are because, oh, they're top heavy and we're going to figure out how to fit around them. You have two players that are even, they have two average starters in Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes. They have two players that top that. De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Potential like fringe all-star levels, probably what I would say now. After that, um, yeah. Get more talent. Don't send out your talent. Um, so many trades of guys kind of around Fox's caliber with lots of youth and age left on their contract that were not traded for returns that are going to be as talented of players. More often than not, if you are trading De'Aaron Fox, you are getting the less talented player because why would a team want to downgrade their talent? Same way that I'm saying the Kings shouldn't want to. So unless you're looking to tank or a team is maybe not tank bottom out. Get more youthful. Fox doesn't do that for teams really um, to an extent, but yeah. Sabonis, Brown, Simmons, even. I honestly don't hate those for Fox. Um, and, and there need to be more in either direction for some of those. But that's not what I'm talking about. Like, those are situations where if those players are truly available, it's an outlier where those players need a change of scenery, and you're capitalizing on them being available. No way should the Kings be sitting. Oh my God, what can we get for De'Aaron Fox? Like, what? You, you have to do all your research. Sure, sure, sure. But like, you have to trade De'Aaron Fox. Makes no sense to me. You don't. You don't. You've for years. You've had to get De'Aaron Fox capable basketball players around him and a capable coach and they haven't done that he's got his best teammate he's ever had in his career right now and they're 80 some games into playing together and people want to break them up and then you're going to go through this entire thing with Tyrese Halliburton where it's like how do we get another player that's talented enough to to pair alongside Tyrese Halliburton it's like oh maybe we shouldn't have got rid of the guy that averaged 25 and 7 as a 23 year old so yeah add a third ideally add one of those names that i mentioned take a risk show fox that you are willing to take a risk the only way this team gets better is by taking a risk they're sitting here playing patient i don't get it like i said the bulls the Suns, those were risks those were risks that paid off take a risk you sit here and do nothing Things aren't are going to keep going in the same way. We're going to repeat this entire process with Tyrese Halliburton. Teams need two playmakers. Teams need coaches that aren't absolutely horrific. And teams need to try to put ideal surrounding talent around their players that are actually um, top tier. Kings haven't done that. They have an opportunity to do so because there's some interesting flexibility coming up now. And like I said, Tyrese Halliburton easily De'Aaron Fox's best teammate he's ever had in his career. So It is not the time to move on from De'Aaron Fox. There are situations where I understand it. It is so far from necessary. So far from necessary. If you think that Fox is on the decline, last year was his peak at 23 years old um, and having just the worst fucking surrounding talent I've ever seen. Fine. Um, What he's played at this season, I guess, is like what you expect moving forward each year that gets knocked off that five year contract just makes him look all that more appealing. It makes the deal all that more. It makes his contract all that more enticing and and tradable to other teams. Um, But again, there's no real reason to believe that 24 year old Darren Fox is done growing when he's yet to have the one time he had a good coach, They and was his sophomore season when they were a win away from being forty wins and led the Sacramento Kings to their best win percentage since two thousand eight. And the second best player on that team was Buddy Hield. So, De'Aaron Fox is a really good basketball player. The Kings don't have very many really good basketball players. They should try to add more really good basketball players instead of trading away their really good basketball player for a different really good basketball player because you haven't even tried to optimize the one you have now. Why would you try to optimize the one that you are just getting? It doesn't... There's no trading Fox is a necessity. Really good at basketball. That's all I got. Um, got a little exciting announcement in this next episode coming up. Um, I totally talked in circles today. I'm really tired. I also am very fed up with the whole Fox situation. I spent forever doing the research and some of the numbers that I ended up laying out, specifically you know, the four assists, um, four or more assists, teams with only one guy averaging that amount. So maybe I got a little excited and kind of spitting those all out and wasn't the most comprehensible, but I hope my points made sense. I really want the Kings to use their other assets, not named Fox and Halliburton, to add more talent, top-end talent to them. And you do that through draft picks. Just use the draft picks one way or another. Please optimize them. You either trade them, which... Hasn't happened since Fox has been on the team, trading a first-round pick. Or you try to put yourself in the most ideal draft position with those picks that you're holding on to, and they clearly haven't done that either. So make an effort to put a good team around De'Aaron Fox before you decide that it's just time to move on from him, and he's the problem. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. Um, Let me know your thoughts on this. Again, I understand scenarios. I understand some arguments for trading Aaron Fox in circumstances. I absolutely do not understand feeling like they need to for the reasons I laid out. So let me know where you guys are at. Like I said, check out the Kings here. I'll take a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Bulls podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Big news coming in the next episode. Have a good one.